Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. And uh, yeah, we've got a very, very special guest today. Of course, I always say that, but um, today it's special because I've got the missus with me. <laughs> um, so it's your mum, my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. Hi guys, thank you for having me. <laughs> right, okay, so obviously it's not the first time you've been on the podcast. You have guest presented. I have, yeah, all about Mother Shipton. That's right, when we uh, went to visit Mother Shipton's cave. But today mm. we're, we're really interested in your story. Um, and we've kind of talked about it a bit, haven't we, Celine? Uh, we've mentioned things, haven't we? Yeah. We've said mum needs to come on and tell her story herself. That's right. And today's the day. Mm-hmm. So we're we're very happy that you've chosen to to do this, Sarah. So uh, thank you for coming on. Um, so first of all, it'd be interesting to know a bit about your background. So obviously, I'm going to ask you questions, Sarah, that I know the answer to, or at least I think I know the answer to. But um, go with it because obviously the listeners don't. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us about your background. You were born in as a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, I was born in a Jehovah's Witness, like you said, raised a Jehovah's Witness in Manchester. All the usual stuff that born-ins do, i.e. going to school, primary school, not finding it very difficult because I think when you're first um, going to school and all that, you don't sort of think about your religion. It's not something you're thinking about. But obviously it does come up because obviously your parents, or in my case, my mum would talk to the teachers, obviously explain that I was one of Jehovah's Witnesses and the usual things would be discussed like, so obviously Sarah won't be taking part in Christmas, she won't be taking part in birthday celebrations, Halloween, all the usual holidays and nice things that everybody's going to join in and do, assemblies, hymn singing, etc., etc. Um so I suppose it was really more when things were happening at school that were around all those things that you weren't allowed to do that you start to, even as a, a young child, think about your being kept separate from it all and made to feel different. I don't have any vivid memories of being hard done by a sort of pre-teens. The only vivid memory I've got, I think, is one that you've already mentioned on the podcast. In um, I was quite young, so I think I was still in what they can consider, um, I don't know if it's reception or juniors, I think it was probably reception. And I um, sort of uh, scared some of the children at school, apparently, because I was sort of told that Jehovah was going to stamp on all the bad people like bugs when um, God's war came. And obviously that didn't go down very well with the with the little children. So they would go home and tell their mums and dads that they were going to be stamped on by this God. 
and obviously my mum had to have a word with me and say really Sarah that's not quite what you should be saying to people at school it's it's not it's scary but that's what I thought that's what I was told basically that's how my mum um had explained God's great war at Armageddon that we were um anybody that weren't doing Jehovah's will we're going to be stamped on like bugs out of existence. So, so you thought you'd tell everybody. <laughs> well, ex- exactly. Why mm. wouldn't I? That's what's going to happen. So, yeah. Mm. So that's my early days. Especially if they're annoying you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if somebody's annoying you, then I'm definitely going to tell them they're going to yeah. be stamped on like a bug. <laughs> so then, right, so you go to um, secondary school. So when I started secondary school, which was... Um, when I was about 11, 12, um, that's when things get tougher because you're very aware then that you've really got no friends as such. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was bullied um, in sense of the word that people might think of bullying, but yes, I think I, I, no, I think I was bullied because as soon as I'd walk into a room, you'd get the... Um, the boys in the corner, um, still remember some of the names. Alan um, was one. It's right, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> well, he's not going to know. She's calling now, out Alan. Soon. We're yeah. after Alan. <laughs> but it's Bad horrible out. when you walk into a room, and especially if uh, like most of the class is already there, and you come in a bit late, and they all sit there and they're like, oh, here she is. You know, where's Joey? Jehovah's Witness. You know, she's banging Joey. on the doors again at the weekend. So they called you Joey. Joey, yeah. I got called Joey. Um, the girls kind of didn't really get involved much. I did have some actually quite nice girl friends, um, although they didn't stick up for me either. They didn't get involved. Um, I did have one friend, and I am going to say his name, Trevor. Um, I'm quite a big Wham fan, and I I thought Trevor was um, my Andrew Ridgler. So he actually had a habit of sticking up for me. Um, which I thought was absolutely wonderful. And some of the girls that I wasn't friends with obviously hated that because this guy... They liked Trevor. Yeah, they liked Trevor, and he wasn't interested in them. He wasn't actually interested in me, but he he stood up for me, and we ended up... We used to walk home from school together and things like that. So he was Mm -hmm. like my my one bit of saving grace that made me sort of think it's actually still worth, you know, turning up to school for, even though I'm getting picked on. And obviously... Going along with that, following on, you've then got the knocking on the doors um, on the weekends when you're off school, so Saturday morning, and you'd um, turn up for field service, as it was called, and you'd get told you were going to be working down this particular street. And guess what street it would be? Yeah, it would be the street where he is, where he calls you Joey, etc., Mm, um mm-hmm. so not only do you have to put up with it at school but you also then have to get dragged around and knock on people's doors that you know ridicule you at school so mm-hmm. you know you can talk about it quite light-hearted on this interview um quite calmly but back in the day no it was pretty horrendous so I did actually start um we called it wagging school mm. Um, so sky sort of diving, basically, playing truant, playing school yeah. uh, from school, which um, a couple of my friends did, and we used to go and sit under the, um, I don't know what you call it, the flyover bridge. 
Uh, yeah so you like the the slopey bit on there would sit under there because obviously you know you you weren't seen there was you hopefully and as it happens I don't think I ever got caught and to this day obviously my (laughs) mum and dad are not here anymore bless them but they never knew that I did that (laughs) um so I such a rebel I never did anything like that Oh, I did lots of terrible things at school that probably, <laughs> no, probably these days are not considered uh, rebellious as such. But it was my, I suppose, it was my little way of kicking off a little mm. bit. So, you know, um, I remember sitting at the back of science class um, and, you know, they'd all be doing the experiments and I'd sit there burning my tie in the Bunsen burner. <laughs> um, because I hated wearing a tie. I don't know why, but I just hated wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if it's like other stuff coming out in the way I was behaving. I'm not sure. So I'll talk about a few things that might might sort of um, help people to understand why I did such things. So at this point, did you believe in the religion at this point? Or was it just something that you, because you've said to you, you didn't like that it made you different. Did you believe the stuff that you were being told constantly? Um, in a nutshell, no. Um, but I grew up, I suppose, I don't really uh, remember sort of having sit-down Bible studies. Um, you know, I listen to other people talk about their life stories and they'll say, you know, oh, they not only had to go to meetings like three days a week, uh, or three times a week, sorry, uh, go on field service, etc., and prepare for meetings and things like that. Oh, but we had to sit down, we had to have the family Bible study, you know, and I don't remember having that really. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a, a Jehovah's Witness household. I would say by name only, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So my you did my mum was required. Like. Yeah, yeah, and my mum was very. She was a very good Jehovah's Witness. Um, in as much as um, she would, I think she pioneered, I think she did. Um, she went to all the meetings, obviously. We always, always had people round staying with us. So we always had missionaries uh, staying mm-hmm. with us that had come from overseas. Uh, we'd always have the circuit overseer around and his wife and have them put up, um, put them up, sorry, um, special pioneers uh, that were travelling. Um, and of course, it was always my room that had to be given up. So it was me mm-hmm. that was kicked out to make room for all these people that came and stayed. Um, so in that sense, we had a spiritual household mm-hmm. because I've grown up with all that activity around being Jehovah's Witnesses and doing all these things. But as I've grown older and obviously stepped away from it all now, I sort of think a lot of it was for show more than mm. you know I can't honestly sit here and say to this day whether my mum actually believed um the truth as they call it I really don't know whether she did because a lot of her actions went against a bit of it mm-hmm. well a lot of it to be honest and my dad no I've, I've no idea whether he believed it actually um he was just a really good man a really nice kind man that uh, absolutely loved helping everybody. So he'd be the one that, um, you know, made sure, you know, Auntie Dorothy and sister this and sister that got home from the meeting safe, uh, got there in the first place, you know, so we'd have to leave for the the meeting like an hour early so dad could go and pick up everybody and make sure they got there on time and were safe. And then we'd be the last ones to get home. So typical in in my day, uh, a Thursday evening meeting, you know, so we'd sort of leave at half five in the the afternoon, evening, 
And then by the time we got home, it sort of be getting close on 11 o'clock. And then, you know, bear in mind, I was still at school and I had to then get up the next day and go to school, you know, and then face the ridicule of the, the people calling you names and other people talking about what they'd done that night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I slept, you know, at a meeting for two hours, bored out of my head and had to wait for my dad to take all the old people home. <laughs> so <laughs> great fun. No, no, mm-hmm. not at all. But um, so, no, I didn't believe it. I've just thought of something else um, while we're talking. Um, I think if you really believe something, then you don't do things like buy birthday cards Mm. because Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate birthdays. Mm. And I would sneak around. My mum used to have a market stall and I used to help sometimes on the market stall. And I remember this one particular day that I said I needed to go to the loo. So I went to the toilet, but I didn't actually go to the toilet. I went to buy a birthday card for one of my friends at school and um of course my mum knows everything she knew that the summer up and she found out so I got in serious trouble for that I got a I got the slipper when I got home because I'd bought a birthday card for a friend and it was more that I lied about it than actually buying a birthday card so uh mm. so that wasn't very nice um mm-hmm. yeah so that's quite a, a strong but you didn't memory. feel you didn't feel bad that Jehovah was watching you were just more concerned no. that your mum was watching yeah, actually, you've just made a very valid point. So lots of people, and I know you, Stephen, that's something that um, you you worried about a lot, didn't you? Mm. you? You had this fear because you thought, well, you believed Jehovah was real and yeah. he could see what you was doing mm. and watch you. So I didn't have that. I, I quite happily wandered off and bought a birthday card with absolute no fear mm. that anybody was watching me. Um, the only time I ever experienced any fear was not because of uh, a great god watching me it was more that i'd um been seen by somebody else in the congregation so moving on just a little bit more after i'd left school i got a part-time job in a fruit and veg shop um because you know you you don't pursue career do you so i found a job that was sort of part-time that would still allow me to have a bit of money while i was living at home to do things buy things but then ultimately let me go knocking on the doors more which i didn't want to do but you know you have to show willing don't you <laughs> do what you think you're supposed to have to do um and i actually i remember one christmas um i i bought a pair of bauble earrings <laughs> <laughs> and I wore these bauble earrings as I was sat at the till on, at the fruit and veg shop. And this uh, one day, this um, sister from our congregation came in. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, what do I do? What do I do? And I just, I thought, well, I can't do anything. And I was convinced that, because it was a Thursday night as well, I was convinced that when I got to the meeting that night, I was going to be called into the the little room mm-hmm. and be reprimanded, told off, because I'd been seen wearing uh, pagan earrings and in uh, intimating that I was celebrating Christmas I suppose but so yeah for me it was always more of a fear of being caught by somebody and, and spotted mm-hmm. so not a fear of that I'm being watched by Jehovah and that I'm doing something contrary to what I should be doing um, so no I don't think I've mm. I ever believed it to be honest it's interesting isn't it I think this is this is where the individual differences come in that we talk about quite a lot on this podcast that people obviously respond to these things differently and obviously your family was different to my family and therefore um our experience was different yeah 
Yeah, I suppose it is a good time now to talk a little bit about some particular difficulties you had. So obviously you had, I guess, what I would describe as the normal unpleasantness that is associated with being a, a young Jehovah's Witness. But then you had um, some quite specific issues um, that you had to put up with. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. Um, so going back to, like, uh, I think I said earlier about um, maybe some of the rebellious stuff coming out in me, um, I think sort of relates to um, my relationship with my mum, which I now believe to be um, a, coerc- a coercive relationship that I had with my mum. Mm. I still need to do a bit of digging around in that myself, but the the little bit that I have uh, looked at, that is what I, I feel we had. Um, so I think probably from around the age of 12 to 14, um, my mum started suffering with um, serious mental health issues um that what I'd actually could see for myself I think she's she'd always suffered with mental health but from me as a daughter living there that's when I first started noticing things so basically my mum was she was very obsessed with me um she basically I can't really explain it in any other ways that except to say like I was her special one Mm. so you know I've got um an older sister um uh, another older brother and another older sister with learning disabilities but um i was sort of born i think there's 15 years between me and my youngest uh, sister and when i came along obviously it wasn't really expected it wasn't planned um, my mum had had a lot of issues uh with my siblings um through one thing and another as I say that's why I think she's always had mental health issues but when I came along I think she just basically saw me as um yeah the spe- a special person um who she was going to protect no matter what she didn't want me to have any contact um intimate contact with um a boy so I suppose going into teenage years, you, you start to have feelings, you start to get interested in the opposite sex, um, which I did. You know, there was quite a few nice younger brothers and there was one in particular that I did really like. But I always had a fear that my mum would find out, um, not that I was doing anything wrong. You know, I never did anything um, wrong. When I say wrong, that's because of the teachings of the Jehovah's Witness belief so mm-hmm. you're By not allowed standards to be, yeah you're not allowed to be on your own with anybody and things like that so sex before marriage etc etc you know I'm sure a lot of your viewers uh, have listened to many podcasts and, and know all about that but I was very afraid of sort of making any long-term plans to ever you know sort of get involved with anybody seriously to be honest um but it's kind of, I'm sort of, I'm going a bit backwards and forwards here, so you might have to rein me in a little bit. So I'm just going back to like my mum's mental health issues. So um, serious mental health issues in as much as she was in and out of um, uh, hospital. So my uh, teenage years when I really needed a mum to help me through being a teenager, she wasn't there 
as a mum. So literally she wasn't there sometimes because she was in hospital. Um, And when she was at home, she wasn't there as a mum because she was so busy trying to smother me and protect me and keep me away from the world and everything bad about the world that I just basically started to crumble a bit. I suppose that's why I was like maybe acting up at school, maybe um, mm-hmm. being a bit rebellious. But in and out of hospital was a really hard time for me with my mum because not only are you trying to be a Jehovah's Witness and go to the meetings while your mum's there, you're then being taken to a hospital that isn't a very nice hospital and you're sat visiting your mum who's out. I'll be quite honest to be to uh, with you all, and uh, you know she tried to kill herself on numerous occasions, so numerous suicide attempts. And when you turn up as a teenager at the hospital, and your mum sat there with bandaged wrists, um, mm-hmm. and she's in the lockup ward at this point, and you know it's not a very pleasant time. So bringing the Jehovah's Witness side of it into that I think this is where I started to make certain decisions about it myself so although I said I didn't believe it before I think this sort of reaffirmed it to a point Mm -hmm. because there was one particular occasion where my mum was on the lock-up ward and we'd gone to see her and I actually think I must have gone on my own um so how, how old were you around so at this point i'd actually left school at this okay. point so, so we're, about we're 16 ju- yeah least. so i was jumping for so no, i mm-hmm. must have been 17 because i mm-hmm. must have drove myself mm-hmm. so i've either got the store the time period a little bit wrong but i do remember sitting at a table in the lockup area because you have to be visible because of the situation mm-hmm. so the nurses in that are around um and on this particular occasion, um, two of the local elders from the congregation decided they were going to visit. And that's all very well, lovely. And I remember I was sat next to my mum and there was two elders sat opposite. And they started basically um, asking mum how she was, which was quite nice at first. And then very quickly, the conversation turned to quoting scriptures at my mum, basically. Bearing in mind, she was in no mental state of mind to be dealing with this. And I'm really putting this in a very uh, short, shortened version. Um, it felt like it went on for ages. But um, the point that really flicked me was when they quoted scriptures saying that my mum was suffering all this mental health issues was because she wasn't being sub what's the word subject submissive submissive to my dad and she was um you know she was showing herself to be wanting to do things for herself and and not behave like a christian Mm. wife basically and it it, as i said it kind of felt like this was going on and on and on and you get to a point where you're listening and you're listening and i could feel myself bubbling up and getting angry and angrier and in the end i just stood (laughs) i stood up and i just flung my hands on the table and forgive me for swearing but I did swear and I said you two can just fuck off out of here I said and leave my mum alone I said because this is not what she needs I mean obviously I was very irate I was very aware of the fact that I think that's probably the first time I'd used such a bad word in public (laughs) at least anyway um and 
I was so angry and so wound up. I just walked out and there was a bathroom over the side and I just ran into there and the head nurse or matron, whatever you call them, I can't remember, she came in and she said, oh my gosh, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I just like opened the door and I said, you see them two men there sat with my mum? I said, you tell them to get out. I said, and they are not to come back again. And I actually then afterwards did tell her what had happened. And I can't sort of remember what her response was, but I'm sure she thought that was absolutely horrific. So that was quite a a moment in my life, not only because I was struggling with my own feelings about my mum and the mental health issues and the way she felt about me, uh, that then I had all this on top of it, coping with two insolent men that decided my mum was ill because she wasn't being subjected to a husband, sub- submissive to a husband, sorry, can't get that word out. Well, it's um, a mixture between in subjection uh, yeah, and Yeah, it is, it's one of my I main, think trying I think, to get yeah, the... I'm trying to make my words up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, um, it's such a powerful um, story because it really illustrates how completely unqualified and... Um, dangerous dangerously inadequate these men are to be dealing with these sorts of situations Mm -hmm. um and it is disgusting actually yeah Uh, it's disgusting that a minor because regardless you know you're struggling to remember your Mm. age but you were under 18 it's ridiculous that a minor has to shout at two adult men to leave her mum alone Mm. in this situation but you know that's where you are at And, and it's 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 ironic because it, it sounds almost like the Job Job and his comforters, doesn't it? Mm. And they, they should know all about that because it's in the Bible and they talk about it enough. It's just, uh, yeah, um, yeah, very shocking, but not shocking, I suppose. And all through that as well, you know, they, they never once thought about me, I suppose, mm, you know, to no. think, well, perhaps Sarah needs some help as well. Or my dad. You know, where were they, you know, there was no offer of support or help, but obviously mental health isn't recognised as an illness that's dealt with. Well, it's just not dealt with, is it, Um, as far as I can tell? I mean, as far as, you know, I was concerned as well, unbeknownst to me at the time, I was probably suffering myself with Mm. mental health issues, Mm -hmm. Um, but there was no support. But that just really, even though... All what I said before about my mum and being in a coercive relationship, the fact that they were attacking her mm. and accusing her of what they did, that, you know, made me come out all guns blazing mm. and I wanted to defend and say, how dare you? You know, that is just, that is not the answer. You know, she's <laughs> she's actually got a chemical imbalance in her, in her brain. So can I, um, would it be okay if I just kind of summarise things and mm-hmm. then you can tell me if I've got it right? Yeah. Um, so you're you start to notice that your mum is is start is doing odd things and, mm. and behaving in a way that you recognise as, as not being quite right. Um part of this seems to be about being overprotective towards you. And and as you get older it's it's obvious that there's something here around sex and protecting you from that and from boys and men and so on. Um but it's not just that, is it? It is this this cocooning you and making you the focus of of um, everything, really, from her perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I've got some of my own observations, that I, obviously, because I come on the scene a bit later. Mm. But um, 
but from from your story here that's that's sort of going on then you get to about 16 17 18 and things really take a a really difficult turn when she starts to go into hospital and she's had suicide attempts um and that's that's where we're kind of up to now is that is that about right is that how yeah yeah it's happened yeah 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 it did i think uh, it's just sort of in between that sort of maybe uh, 15 to 17 uh, period as well i did actually um i did get invited to go and speak to my mum's psychiatrist right um because i was struggling to cope with everything that was going on mm. and in the background as well we also had my mum's mum and dad living with us so my yeah, grandparents I was just thinking about that it was not a quiet house no and my mum my mum's mum had alzheimer's um and without going into all the ins and outs of that that was for me as again being a teenager in the house witnessing my my nan um deteriorate with a, a serious um illness disease, yeah. yeah that was horrendous as well and obviously my mum having to cope with seeing her mum and also um I do have a my youngest sister Sylvia is um she's got learning disabilities and mm-hmm. she was living at home as well so for a young girl like myself growing up in that environment it was not really it wasn't great all round to be honest mm. no so so then um so bringing it fast forwarding it now to where 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 we've got to in time we met how old were you at that point yeah. i was um when we first met 19 so you were 19 so is there anything in between that 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 you want to talk about between what you just talked about with your mum in hospital and the elders and then when we started to go out so just thinking back on on that then i can't i, I think i must have been baptized at this point it's like yeah. I, I was I was actually well I suppose these days I was quite late getting baptized I was only um I was 17 when right. I got baptized so you do it's crazy that this was all happening simultaneously mm. <laughs> yeah so I also I was, as much as I didn't believe it and I was just going along with it because I wanted to please everybody I suppose that's the thing I'm all, I'm what I am a person that likes to make people happy I don't like upset um and as far as it depends on me if there's any tension or uh, a situation that I feel I can um minimize by smoothing it over and uh and that I will so uh I then got baptized I got baptized yeah because I thought well that looks right doesn't it I'm 17 um my best friend then who was she got we both got baptized at the same time and the day I got baptized my mum was actually allowed a day pass from the mental hospital mm. uh, because it was such a special occasion. And they let her out for the day with my dad's understanding that, you know, he would take her back if there was any issues or call for help, basically. So she was allowed out for the day. And I've got a photo um, somewhere of my baptism and my frail mum Um and yeah, me on my baptism day. Because but... she'd lost loads of weight, hadn't she? Yeah, yeah. She went down to about six and a half stone. Um, and bear in mind, she's, she was only about five foot two. So mm-hmm. she was very, very skinny. Small. Yeah, she uh, that all came along with the uh, depression that she was suffering with on and off. So yeah, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty horrendous. Um, but going back to your question, I can't think of anything major past that in between... Mm 
meeting you then apart from just getting through the day yeah as I said there was Mm. a particular brother that I liked um and because you're not allowed to go out on your own that we I do remember actually going out with groups of young people um so we'd go to the cinema we used to go swimming uh, once a week we used to do table tennis different things like that but I sort of um uh what's the word um I felt this magnetic pull towards this particular um brother um Mm. I and actually at the time I honestly thought it was going to go somewhere you know eventually I really sort of got my hopes up about it but then no it... well that was kind of scuppered by your mum wasn't well it? actually yes yeah you're right yeah my mum put the kibosh on that so mm. um yeah yeah okay so then that happens um and then I guess yeah dad if you want to because you you yeah. enter the scene so you know some I, of it now yeah that's right so you by the time, stage left <laughs> stage left mm-hmm. so by the time I I when I met you obviously you you were a friend of a um, of a cousin of mine and um obviously I uh, how could I know all this you know I knew that you'd been through a bit of a bad time <laughs> but that was mm-hmm. about it you know um lovely girl been through a lot of difficulty um but you know in my naivety you know I was right what am I looking for I'm looking for um, somebody that is spiritual and is a pioneer and um, I, I also want somebody that's good looking and so on. so that's what I was looking for in a I think now given what you were going through in a in a particularly pathetic way really but that's and I thought well she's not a regular pioneer but she has auxiliary pioneered and you did that a few times um, mm. so I thought yeah you know um, she's nice and we we uh, we started to to sort of hang out a bit in groups, didn't we? And then um, we went to Alton Towers, which was our, well, that was our first meeting, really. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, started to to go out with each other. I still um, find it really funny imagining you two going on a date to Alton Towers, just because neither of you really like roller coasters. Yeah. So, so if, the you're not, idea if you're not, if you're not yeah. yeah, if you're not in the UK, you won't know Alton Towers, but it's just like a theme park, really. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just the UK's like biggest roller coaster park, yeah. isn't it? So it's just really funny imagining my parents who don't like roller coasters going on a first date to a roller coaster park. <laughs> yeah, we did it all. We did all the rides. Um, yeah, trying to impress each other. That's right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so obviously, we, I mean, we, we, we got to know each other. I mean, I started to realise how difficult um, things were and so I mean I, I became a bit paranoid myself about things I mean I remember mm. um, I actually because we lived quite far apart um, in the country so I, I lived in Peterborough and lived in the northwest so I was traveling backwards and forwards quite a lot and then I actually moved up to where you lived and actually lived in your mum and dad's house didn't I with you all for a while well you became quite paranoid because I um what I forgot to mention earlier, which is quite a key key thing, really, is um, my mum did actually want to try and hurt me on occasions. Um, when I say hurt me, she did threaten on occasions that she would um, take my life, take my sister's life on occasions. Um, and I remember one occasion um, in the hospital again when she was there that she she had this moment overcome her basically. And I remember her saying, um, she said. Uh, nobody is going to have you nobody she says I've got the ball and chain around you and only I've got the key Mm. 
and again so that's quite a profound moment that I've literally just sort of remembered um yeah that's yeah quite, that's that is. quite scary so Absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah I mean by the time I came along your mum was out of hospital she was back home she she wasn't at her worst so I, I by the time I saw you she was sat in a chair all the time she didn't really do much but she did she did look okay she looked normal um and so when I'd come I, I would talk to your mum and you know I think I, I kind of ground her down a little bit and I think because I was um in inverted commas you know a good Jehovah's Witness I think I think she she tolerated that um and I, I managed to um uh to to I suppose charmer into letting me go out with you without too much hassle, but it was it was always an uneasy um, truce. I think that she it, she it drew. was <laughs> yeah no it was until she um, until she started making the Irish coffees um, yeah which yeah. kind of calmed things down because she, she, um, she was did very make good, a good at making curry and she um, she did the Irish coffee. But mm. I mean, there, there were times when she'd say things like so this this is why I became a bit paranoid. She'd say things like. Um, yeah, you know, if I wanted to kill you, you wouldn't know because I just um, I've got tablets and I can grind them up in curry. You would never know. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't threatening, not but put off by like, this point, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so all that was happening, and um, yeah, we went out with each other for a, uh, well only about a year before I actually popped the question. Well, you did pop the question, yeah, and I did agree, but we we actually went through a rocky period in our courtship, didn't mm, we, as well? That's true. Because of my mum and the way she was and the mm. controlling mm. nature over me um, was so bad still that as much as I, at, the, at that moment, I thought I really loved Stephen and I wanted to spend the rest of my life with him, I was still scared of my mum. And I use that word. I was scared of mm. her, um, and it was that bad that this one weekend, um, Stephen said to me, basically, he gave me an ultimatum, and said words to the effect of, "You've got to make a decision." Um, you know, not that I have to give up my parents, literally, but you know, I need to. You know, if I'm going to marry Stephen now, I've got to put him first. You know, he's going to be my new partner in life. You know, I'm not going to be with my mum and dad anymore, but they'll still be my mum and dad. And he basically left me this weekend. Um, sounds quite dramatic. And it was with an ultimatum to say, um, you've got like all weekend to think about it. And I remember he walked out and my mum was stood there, wasn't she? Do you remember? I don't really remember all that. No, I remember saying to you, um, and I'm not even sure I was right. Not was, not, she wasn't listening to all that, no. but when you actually left, mm. she was stood there. Yeah. And it was almost now I was thinking like, you know, she's like sniggering, thinking, oh, <laughs> I've won sort of thing. Mm. And I remember I just, I walked past her as I went back in the house, like absolutely distraught. And I just went upstairs like and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because Stephen's just like abandoned me and left me with this ultimatum. And I'm like, oh my, what am I going to do? Um, so that was horrendous. Yeah, I, I think I think my my perspective of it. Um, I'm not sure I wanted it was about putting me first, although that might have been it. Because I don't forget, I was also a Jehovah's Witness with yeah. Well, you, with you these, were going to be my new head. Exactly, house, I was supposed to be the you know the 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 mm -hmm. person that was going to be spiritually responsible, um, which obviously sticks in my throat now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think. I think what I was worried about 
was that I could just imagine um, the control that that she would try to have over you and us, really. Um, and I think that was what I was trying to to say. Look, you know, we cannot live life like that. So you know, and you were not just not just a daughter, but also a a carer. So you you actually had a caring role that was recognised by the state and mm. you got paid some money to do that caring and it meant that she felt like she had a kind of grip on you yeah in, in that way as well mm. and it was like any time of day whatever she wanted it was like you were completely at a beck and call and um there was so I, I can't remember what it was but there's something that it's just like that, that's enough now you know we I don't want to get married to all of you, you know, I just want to get married to you. Mm. Um, and yeah, whether that was the right thing to do, I don't know. I was very young and I was still a Jehovah's witness. So I had warped views about, uh, marriage and headship and all of that. Um, but yeah, so that it was a very short Rocky time though. I mean, um, I think it was very quick when oh, we yeah, agreed no, well, I, to get I, back I quickly made my mind up what I wanted. Um, and yeah, obviously not long after we, made arrangements we got married didn't we and yeah. it was uh it was very nice but um yeah there's some strong memories after that i mean there's you know there's other things i could tell you um um but something after we got married obviously we we did live in um warrington mm. which is where i lived when mm. you met me but then we uh for work dad needed to move for work um so we came back to peterborough mm. didn't we yeah and that was awful too, because, you know, um, I knew that wasn't going to go down well with mum at mm. all. And we did move. Um, we lived in Peterborough. And I remember for oh quite a lot of years, first few years of our marriage, um, I'd ring home um, and she mum wouldn't let me speak to my dad. So I'd ring and say, how's things? And I'll say, is dad there? Well, you don't you don't need to speak to your dad. He's fine. And I'd ring and ring and ring. And she'd never let me talk to him, you know, because she's still wanted this control mm. over me. So I never got to speak to my dad. I don't know whether he, he must have tried ringing me. I mean, this was before we had mobile phones. But that was horrible because, mm. you know, I've, I love my dad dearly, you know, and I, I wanted to talk to him and make sure he was okay. He was my little, he was my little saviour, mm. you know, growing up when my mum had been horrible to me. Going back to the earlier story when I got the slipper for buying a birthday card, I'd go upstairs then and I'd sit in my room. I had a little sort of walk-in cupboard with all my, my um, Cindy dolls, as they were called then. Um, mm. And I'd, um, I'd tell my Cindy dolls all my problems so I talk about what mum had done to me that day or what was going on and blah de blah de blah and my way of getting back at my mum was when it was time for eating tea time I'd be like, I'm not eating I'm not hungry I don't want anything and I'm like later on that evening I'd be like absolutely starving <laughs> and my dad would come sneaking up the stairs like with a sandwich and some crisps and like you know don't tell your mum <laughs> <laughs> that I've brought these up because you know he'd gain trouble then as well because in fact I think my dad was in a coercive relationship too with his mm. with his own wife she controlled him as well so um yeah I mean yeah. I think that the more that we've sort of learned about cults and um high control relationships and coercive relationships I think the more we've we've both realized that that you know you were actually kind of within a cult you were in a cult within a cult really yeah um and that that made it 
doubly difficult, obviously. Yeah, because obviously my mum's um, personality and mm. her mental health issues, the, then being in the Jehovah's Witness religion, just like uh, made that even worse. It just yeah. brought out the worst of mm. the worst, you know. Mm. You know, so yeah, it was pretty horrendous. You know, the, the levels of control that she wanted and had. Um, were were excessive and then obviously you've got the control that the organization has over you as well mm-hmm. which she piggybacks onto you know mm-hmm. in some of those areas so yeah it was it was very difficult I think when we moved um away that was I mean we gen- genuinely made the decision because of work but it was the best yeah, it, it wasn't because made, we were it? trying to get away no. from my mum and dad. Although, uh, you know, I think that's what my mum thought, but yeah, it wasn't. It no. was we needed dad needed mm. to work, so mm-hmm. yeah. But but yeah, things so things um, got a bit better um, because of the the distance. I mean, it was always difficult with dealing with your mum, but at least we had our own space now, and uh, fairly quickly um, we decided that we might be might be quite nice to have a baby yeah i think that's like yeah i remember um your brother and his wife had fell pregnant yeah um and because uh, we, we thought, had decided yeah. we had said we we wouldn't start a family mm. we didn't really have any particular desire but then um but then we thought it'd be quite nice but if it happens it happens and if it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really yeah and it did very quickly <laughs> it didn't did it? very quickly yeah <laughs> so um so along along comes Celine. What 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 was that like being a mum after all that stuff happening to you um, with your childhood? I mean, you, you'd had quite an unusual childhood in many ways, and we're not even talked about your living in Holland for a while. Oh, yeah. uh, we perhaps won't we'll maybe talk about that another time. But um, you'd had quite an unusual, disruptive, uh, you know, difficult childhood, and now you're a mum. How did you kind of think about that? Um, I think in the very early days, obviously, literally just actually after having Celine, like you, your motherly instincts kick in. Mm. So you have some natural instincts uh, that just are overwhelming. Um, and being a mum and having a little baby in my arms and doing all the things that you do with your new baby is absolutely amazing it's you can't really put it into words you have to sort of experience it Mm. to know how that feels you know from the minute you give birth to having this little baby plonked on you that's now absolutely dependent on you for everything well has been while I'm carrying Mm. you obviously but now they're out in the wide world and it's pretty awesome and I think I actually did quite well in the early days being a mum so doing all the stuff that you do I think then as she developed into being a toddler, et cetera, et cetera, I think looking back on it now, and I think we have talked about this, I think, Selena, mm-hmm. I have struggled with um, being a mum in some respects in as much as, like, closeness. So in my house, my dad, we, we'd have hugs and cuddles, but my, my family weren't very – they didn't show a lot of affection um, in front of me. And my mum never – hugged me or cuddled me or you know told she never told me she loved me um things like that so I actually I did find that difficult 
And I think on odd occasions, even now, I think you'll back me up with Ashley, won't you? That mm-hmm. sometimes I do find it hard to show emotion with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I do regret that in the earlier days because I don't think it's had a detrimental effect on you, has it? No. But no. I think it's me reading oh, more you're, into you're it. You're a great mum. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're a great mum. I think... Um, I think you know our our background is bound to have an impact upon us, but yeah, I mean, I I personally um, think you you've always been a great mum. Mm-hmm. Um, what so at this at this point as well, um, going back to the JW stuff. So Celine's now a baby coming into being a toddler, and around this time is when I was starting to have my mm-hmm. wobbles around being a Jehovah's yeah, Witness. Yeah. So um, you know. <laughs> You've just you've just got into some stability now. Uh, you got a baby. Um, everything's going okay, and I dropped this bombshell that um, I'm not sure it's the truth. And I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm going to quit. So, how did you? What's your memories of that? It's a bit blurry, uh, if I'm being honest, because like you said, I've got a baby to think mm. about, and it's a bit of a shock when you're told that because I. I'd obviously met you and I knew all about your family being this super spiritual family. Um, and obviously as well with the expectations of being um, a wife of uh, a Jehovah's Witness wife, sorry. Um, the expectations that come along with that. So I know your goal was working towards being uh, a ministerial servant, which I think you was yeah, at this yeah, point, weren't you? I was before I met you. Yeah, you was. came yeah. off. That's to right. get married and then, then you, you was made up again, they call yeah. it, don't we? Yeah. Um, and then obviously with your goal to be um, pursuing to be an elder. Um, and then obviously that means me being an elder's wife. So there's quite a lot of expectation um, there. Um, and that's obviously what I thought was, mm. you know, we were going along quite hunky-dory along that path, you know, <laughs> um, with Celine in our lives now, bringing her up on the same path. And then, yeah, I can't remember the exact day you told me, but, yeah, it was quite a shock. It's funny, I don't remember that conversation either. No, I, weird, I, say, I don't it? remember it. I can't tell you where it was, mm. when it was exactly, but I know it happened. Mm. Um, and I think I just kind of thought, well, he's obviously got to work through this process mm. um, and do it. And that's when I decided to keep going didn't I um yeah. I do remember the day and I don't know that you do I do remember the day you went round to your mum and dad's mm-hmm. to tell them um what was it and I was potching around in the kitchen making a cup of tea trying to make myself scarce and waiting to try and calm the storm like I, I would do <laughs> um so that day I do remember um but then, yeah you carried on going yeah I I consciously made a decision to keep going and I made that decision because although I don't didn't believe it then and, and even then I was doing it just it was like perfunctionary I suppose I just was doing it I don't I don't I can't even it's really hard for me to explain why I did do it to be honest um and why I didn't stop and be a rebellious teenager and just stop going and start smoking and drinking and taking drugs and all that stuff. Because I actually had an opportunity to do that with with some of my outside circle of people that I knew back then, but I didn't. And so when I made the decision to keep going to the meetings after Stephen stopped going, I did it because 
I didn't want the congregation that I was in. I didn't want people thinking that I'd stopped going because your dad had stopped going or because Stephen had made me stop go for some reason. And it was his influence over me that thought, oh, well, she's not going anymore because Stephen's not going. Um, it was my decision to keep going. Um, and your dad was very supportive of that, I have to say. So he'd, um, he's brought this up before. He's one of those uh, parents, husbands that used to drop his wife and kid off at the meetings and then roll up and pick them up again at the end of it. And um, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> how were you treated um, in the congregation? How did How did people treat you now? Well... I do remember constant bombardment from various people to say, oh, you know, felt sorry for. I felt like people felt sorry for me um, because I'd been abandoned by my super spiritual husband uh, and left to fend for myself, like, you know, with my baby. Although I had your mum and dad there, didn't I, Mm. which was nice. And I'd constantly get people coming up to me saying, you know, well, you know, there's hope yet, you know. So I'm sure Stephen is just going through a phase and, you know, he'll come back, you'll see, you know, and you just got to stay strong, you know, keep your faith and pray to Jehovah, you know, and you've got Celine to think about, you know, you think about Jehovah and um, bring Celine upright. And, you know, eventually Stephen will see that and he'll want to come back. That's That's what I remember thinking and feeling. Um, you know, and there was some stick in the mud, some, you know, that would be literally quite horrible to me, um, you know, and say some nasty things to me. Um, but yeah, I kept going for, how long did I keep? Celine was about, I think, I think she was about four. It was only four. about a year, wasn't it? Yeah. So I don't she, think it was long. No, it wasn't long. It was about, I think I managed it for a year. Um, and then I decided it. You know, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not what I, it's not what I want. It's not what I ever wanted. So why am I keep doing it now? <laughs> why I've got an opportunity not to do it anymore, um, and still be with somebody that I really love because they're here and just get on with life, basically. Which yeah. sounds simple, but it's not that simple, obviously. But um... I think the other thing that I I would sort of like to say. I mean, we're coming to the end of the uh, of, of the story. I I guess with, with you know we've covered quite a lot of ground but mm-hmm. one of the things that i i think is from my perspective and it, it kind of goes to what you and i were talking about celine um how you hear the way we used to be and you think i don't know those people yeah um no, but weird. when i first met you you were incredibly shy and quiet you really were very you you were painfully shy um, going out with you with friends and things, I found that quite difficult because you just wouldn't say anything. No, and it was, it was quite frankly a bit embarrassing at times because um, you were so quiet and and uh, uh, and afraid, seemingly afraid. Well, yeah, because of I wasn't encouraged mm, to that's right. be like that. But, and, but yeah. you're totally different now. <laughs> you know, you're you're you know, you have your own business. You're you've grown so much, and I just wonder how much of that growth would have happened if you'd stayed a witness with all this submission stuff. And, you know, um, it's like you've been able to really grow and and become a a completely different person over the years. I mean, I feel like I've, yeah, I've changed a bit, but I was always, 
very, um, you know, I talked a lot and uh, had lots of opinions. And guess what I'm doing now? I'm doing a podcast where I talk a lot and yeah. have a lot of opinions. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've always been this sort of person, but I think you're you're just so different in many respects. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I think if, if I hadn't have uh, met you, Mm. And my life turned out the way it's turned out now. I think going back in time, I could have quite easily probably have been one of these, um, and we know a few, um, I'm not mentioning any names, mm. but sisters that stay and live with their parents all their life, mm. basically, until their parents are dead. And then they're left on their own completely because they've spent their whole life um, in a religion doing all the religion things plus looking after their parents as they've got older Mm. and never ventured outside of that, never pursued any friendships or um, thought of getting married or anything like that. And then, you know, being stuck (laughs) into your 70s and 80s on your own completely. And I, I could possibly have seen me ending up like that because I would have been trapped in that house looking after my mum and my dad till they were no more and then literally being stuck on my own and just sticking with it until eventually I pass away you know Mm. but thank goodness I didn't and I think you know um yes we've had our ups and downs over the years but on the whole I think um you've been like the the best thing that's ever happened to me in making me you've helped me (laughs) of course you would agree that but you've helped me to develop as well You've, you know, you've helped me um, develop into this more outgoing person that I am now. I mean, I'm, as I said, I'm so confident now. You know, I can, I can speak to complete strangers. I think you're um, more, you're more confident than me. In all honesty, um, now going, you know, if you've got something you need to say, to somebody, you'll just stride up to them and do it. I think you're, yeah. you're much, you're much more at ease than I am. Um, well, yeah, I think in going, many respects yeah. with, with those sorts of situations. Well, going back great. to the early days of marriage when we were both mm. still uh, in the religion, um, I don't like to use this word, but I was quite scared of you as well mm. because I don't want to do anything that's going to upset you. Um, I don't want to do anything that's going to bring, um, what's the word, reproach on Jehovah's name because of something I've done mm. or not done. Um so, yeah, it's well, it totally different a now. Completely different story. <laughs> yeah, now I'm. Yeah, think. I wouldn't say I wouldn't. Um, what that's what I was going to say. I wouldn't um, argue a point with you. No. Or I wouldn't like. I'd silently sit there and think mm. I don't agree with what you've just said. Yeah. But I would never dream of saying. And I think that's one of one of the first arguments we ever had was because yeah. we didn't argue. Oh. And it's, it's not so bad to argue. Yeah. You should have little <laughs> arguments here and there because you have a little argument, you sort it out, and then you're back on track, aren't you? Yeah. If you never ever have an argument, it's not healthy, is it? I, I mean, you don't have to shout uh, at each no, other no, no. but yeah i think um yeah just pretending that uh, you agree yeah whatever. you can have a difference of opinion can't yeah. you i'm not going to agree uh, with everything you say and likewise right. you're not going to agree with everything i say we have different views on things yeah. on 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 politics on um uh well all sorts i can't yeah. think of any at the top of my head but you know that's that's normal isn't it it is yeah absolutely yeah um and i think we 
um, perhaps it's a subject for another podcast. Maybe maybe we get you back again to talk about this. Mm. But um, one of the things that is interesting, as we've as we've spoken to different people over the over the last year and so on this podcast, is that uh, when you leave, you know, whether you end up with your spouse or your partner um, afterwards is it's almost 50 50 it feels to me obviously i haven't got any proper data on it but it feels like it can go either way quite easily yeah um, and i think if you do stay together then it's likely to be there's a period of you have to readjust because all these things that that you just took for granted about the way that you're behaving as a couple you know now now you have to reassess all of those things and I think we did go through that phase. We also had a lot of fun because we went, we did things like going out to nightclubs. Do you remember us doing that? Oh, yeah. yeah. We loved it. That's great. So that was when you, um, Celine, had to go and stay at your granddad and grandma's. You had to and... go to the meetings. <laughs> yeah. You had to go to the meeting on the Sunday morning <laughs> yeah. while we were lying yeah. in bed with a hangover. So Saturday night <laughs> we'd go to a nightclub and, uh, yeah, we just, we loved it. And we'd never done anything like that before. Um, we'd go dancing and um yeah it was it was just very it was a lot of fun but obviously we were also trying to work out who we were and who the other person was now because we both changed yeah and also um you don't get to do any of that when you're courting as jehovah's witness Mm. um uh younglings (laughs) you get to go out with a bunch of other people so you never get to even like, I mean, if you go off and you sit in a corner on your own, it'd be frowned upon. You know, you can't mm. talk to each other about, you know, um, I mean, we did, we did sneak it. Like, we went to talk. The, so when I used to go and stay uh, at yours, we'd go out and take the dog out for a walk yeah. we? and spend sneak a bit, a bit too time. long at the corner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> having a bit of a snog. Uh, but you'd have to do things like that because that was the only way that yeah. you could have any time on your own really wasn't it it yeah. was um and yeah if you got if you got caught doing that then i think my privileges would have been taken yeah off i mean me. re- really the only time we should be seen alone would have been like if we were on the ministry maybe on or the ministry or but certainly you, not snogging no definitely not snogging no. But there you go. anyway yeah um I, I don't know where to finish this um celine do, um, do we finish this at this point i guess so because we're at an hour um yeah yeah, maybe we uh, can if, do maybe we can do a different episode where we just talk about how you've changed if you want to get yeah. or whatever. But, yeah, um, probably here's about good. Good. All right. Well, we we we've done quite a lot of our lives. It feels like this is your life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I you know I find it really interesting. It's always going to be a bit awkward, a bit difficult at times when you're you're doing an interview with your wife and you're doing one with your husband. And we've got the daughter there as well. Um, mm. I hope as listeners you've you found it interesting. Um, I think it was interesting. I just want to say thank you very much, Sarah, for mm-hmm. doing that interview. Actually, thank I, I find it, yeah, it's uh, is it a funny thing that I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's obviously quite um, emotionally provoking. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there's quite a bit of stuff in there I talked about that's very personal to me that I haven't shared with many people. Um mm-hmm. But it's actually good to get it out as well. And, you know, if there's anybody else out there that's gone through anything similar to know mm. that actually it's it's okay. I'm I'm proof that you can get mm. through it and yeah, you will have flashbacks, you will have memories that are not so good. But going forward, I'm 
I'm happy and I've got lots of good memories and positiveness and lots to look forward to, which is great. So I've enjoyed talking about it. Well, thank so, you very much. Yeah, I'd love to come on again if you'll, if you'll have me. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, thank you very much. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production. <laughs>